Like, Pastor, what are you teaching tonight? You're telling us about your vacation? It was good. <laughs> All right. To the First Kings chapter 5. Let's continue our journey through First Kings. First Kings chapter 5. And let's look there at verse 1. Um, yeah, the title tonight is When the, a, uh, a King's Dream Becomes Reality. Uh, it says there, and, and Aaron, king of Tyre, sent his servants unto Solomon, and he had heard that they had anointing him king in the room of his father. For Aaron, is that Aaron the name? Iron. 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 Okay, Iron, okay, was ever a lover of David. I don't want to keep saying the same name wrong, so thank you guys. <laughs> so, and Solomon sent Iron, 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 saying, Thou knowest how that David, my father, could not build a house unto the name of the Lord his God, for the wars which were about him on every side, until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. But now, the Lord my God had given me rest on every side, so that there is neither adversary nor evil occurring. And behold, I, I purpose to build a house in the name of the Lord my God. And as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I will set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build a house unto my name. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord for this passage of Scripture. I just pray as we dissect this chapter, I pray, Father, give us the words. Lord, give us something we can take home, we can apply to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So a dream, a king's dreams become a reality. For sake of introduction, dreams, plans, and goals uh, live in the heart of every human being. You agree with that? Every person... In their own way, have dreams, have plans and goals that they would love to accomplish. All of us. I mean, some people have small dreams, some people have big dreams. I mean, it might be, uh, I might have a dream and say, that's a small dream. It might be small to you, it would be big to me. You know, but all of us have dreams and goals and things that we like to do. Um, <laughs> one of my biggest dreams, even though I'm terrified of it because I'm older, you will never believe that. You ready? You sit down in the F-16, F F-18, and just take a flight. I was watching the, the Blue Angels, and I was contemplating myself inside one of those things. Uh, would I be scared? Probably because I'm much older. But anyway, one, you know, will become reality? Who knows? I'm not really going to lose sleep over. But anyway... So because the dreams and our goals are too big, uh, too big and too hard, it's almost impossible for sometimes for certain dreams to be accomplished. For an example, when I was young, my biggest dream was to be a pilot. I wanted to be a pilot. I wanted to go to the Air Force. I wanted to be a pilot. That was one of my dreams. Uh, uh, and then uh, it didn't come reality because I never made it to the military. And I had to, my dad said, you're going to take care of my business, and I had to work for my dad. So that was the end of that dream. I don't hold that against my dad. Don't get me wrong. And it was a dream as a child. You know, I had that dream. But I had another dream, and this one I worked hard at it. As a young man, I dreamed. Uh, I had a goal and a plan. I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Uh, my, my dream motivated me to, 
to practice and every minute that I could and I had always had uh, I always had a soccer ball with me. I went to the field in my backyard, in the street. They were always practicing. I watched the people, those players on TV. I tried to imitate them to do what they did. So I scored many goals. I did. I left my heart on the field every time I played. My, but my dream never to become a, a professional soccer player never became reality. I knew that when I stepped, I knew when I stepped in the plane, Back in 1985 to come to America, it was my dream, the end of my dream of becoming a soccer player. I knew right there because there was no professional soccer things over here at the time. Now it is, uh, and I'm too old for that, but anyway. But I knew that was the end of my dream. And anyway, I came to America to fulfill my parents' dream, not my dream. <laughs> so I just came along with them. So... Uh, as much, as much as I love the game of soccer, I would to say, and as much as I love to play the game, my dream to become a professional soccer player never became a reality. Folks, there are dreams who, are, who do become reality. And you, we can share with each other here tonight. You can say, I had many dreams that been fulfilled. You know, I worked for it. They became reality. And, you know, it's true. We have, all of us can say that. But I think all of us can stand up and say, listen, I had many things I wanted to do that I never, or never, I was never able to do it. You been there? You say, I would love to do that, I would love to do this, but I never had a chance to do it. I'm one of them. So, um, well, tonight we're looking at the beginning of King David's fulfilling dream right here. In this passage, he was known for being a man after God's own heart. We know that. He had a dream. He wanted to build. That's his dream. He wanted to build a temple for his God. David wanted to build a temple for his God. But unfortunately for him, his dream would never become a, a reality or true in his lifetime. Listen to the determination of David towards building a temple for his God. Actually, go to Psalm chapter 132 and let's look at verse 3 and 4 and 5. I already have the verses here, so I'll wait for you. Uh, uh, let's see the determination that he had in his heart to build a house for his God. That was a dream, isn't it? Look what it says. Surely I will not come into the tabernacle of my house, nor go unto my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my mine eyelids until I found a place for the God for the Lord, I'm sorry, and a habitation for the mighty God of Jacob. You see the desire of, of David right here. David had a dream. And his dream was to build a house for his God. And he says, right, you see the determination right here in, in David's heart. It was David's passion and desire to build a temple for the glory of the Lord. The Lord knew, knew David's heart, and it was clear that he had other plans for his beloved servant David. We see this in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7. So David was so busy uh, fighting wars and expanding and defending the borders of, of the kingdom of Israel that he didn't have time to supervise much of a complex and demand enterprise. Let me tell you, do you ever been involved in a construction thing? You guys, you folks just fixed your bathroom the other day, right? You, you, you folks, have, you know what construction involves? 
Uh, you know, you, you got to make a mask to make a pretty. You first, you got to take things down, you know, right? Uh, things don't look too good for a time. Uh, but construction involves organization, hard work, and all that. And you have David right here fighting wars, but he wants to build a house for his God, and that's his big dream. Well, we're going to look about what God has to say about that. So the nations around, around them had temples dedicated to their false gods, so it was only right that the people of Israel dedicated a temple to honor Jehovah, the true living God. So let's look, let's look at, uh, in this message tonight about a, a king dream become reality from several points. Number one, we see uh, honorable friendship in this passage. We see honorable friendship. Look at verse 2. And Solomon sent to Iron saying, Thou knowest how that David my father could not build a house unto the name of the Lord his God, for the wars which was about him on every side, until the Lord put under the soles of his feet. So it is in the hour of great distress and great needs and great pain that we really know who are our truly friends. Or we really are our truly friends. It is in hours of pain and suffering, discouragement and doubt, depression, anxiety, that we really know who are True friend, we are truly friends really are. The value, listen to this, of friendship comes to the surface in those moments of life. It is good to laugh, isn't it? It is good to rejoice. Wonderful. It is good to have a good time with our friends. It's great. But when life hurts, that's when we see the real value of friendship. You agree with me? <coughs> Excuse me. When you are hurting, are your friends hurting with you? Because a lot of times, when we're hurting, there's no friends. When your friends are hurting, are you hurting with your friends? You see that? So when you're hurting, your friends are hurting for you. When your friends are hurting, are you hurting for your friends? So one thing to experience, uh, uh, to experience God's power when you are facing giants of fightings and armies and quite something else when we are watching people tear your world apart. God is chasing David, but David knew that God's power could help him in the hour of pain as well in the hour of conquest. Let me put it this way. The greatest friend we can have is Jesus. He's our greatest friend. He never disappoints us. He's always there for us. And David knew that's why we know that David was a, God, a man after God's own heart. Because after everything that could, go around, that could go around him, David knew that he had a friend in God. So casual friends, let me put it this way. Let me put it, go back a little, a little bit here. Um, folks, it is a blessing to have close, intimate friends. Isn't it? But it is also important to have, you ready? Casual friends. You know, casual friends. Yeah. Actually, it is good to have casual friends. What's a casual friend? Anybody? What's a casual friend? We don't really know all that well. You don't have a close relationship with them, but you know they're there, and they are always there. If you need the help, they're there. Casual friends. 
So they go out of their, I'm sorry, I'm uh, put it back a little bit here. Actually, it's good to have casual friends. What I mean with that? A casual friend are those who are not really involved in your life. The friendship is more of a casual one. They are not really involved in your life that much, but when you need them or, or they need you, things get resolved because they're, they're there to help you. They're always there to ha have a helping hand to help you. They will go out of their way to help you. I'll give you an example. There's a young man that works with me. I know him for the time that I've been there. That's how many, I mean, he's much younger than me. I always call him a kid because he's look, he looks like a kid. He's, he's my son's age, so he's a kid. So, but anyway, I know him since he's been there, since I've been there. Actually, I've been longer than him there. But anyway, there's a, this young man, uh, he's not a friend with me. You know, actually, I talked to him today, passed by me. And, but anyway, he's not a close friend. He's a casual friend. There's one thing about this kid. I was, I was talking to him, and I said a couple, few years back, I, I said, goodness, I have my van. I, had to, I used to have that um, uh, red van I used to have at home. I said, the, the, the back of my van the, 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 is locked. The, the, the tires don't move. And he goes, well, your, your brakes are locked. I said, how do you drive that to the, to the, the garage? He said, well, you get, a, you get a truck, and they pull it up, and one of those bad trucks and because you can't you won't be able to drive the car like and he looks at me and said do you need help i said what do you mean i said i can go to your house and fix your brakes well he lives in south county he drove all the way to the north of north of rhode island and early saturday morning he's there fixed the, fixed the brakes we went to the store put the brakes went out i say yeah hey, i, I want to pay you something i want no, no, don't worry. I have to go somewhere. Don't worry about it. It's good. We'll see you on Monday. This was a Saturday. Casual friends. Those type of friends that you per se, you really don't have a close relationship with them. You don't really see them much, but when you need them, they're there. That's what we see here tonight. Okay? So, so David had a casual friend with this king of Tyre called uh, Hiron, was a, is, that is, uh, what is amazing here is that David ha have died, but the friendship lived on. And who's talking to this king? His son, Solomon. And the same friendship that, we had, uh, that he had with, uh, uh, with those people extends still to that, uh, that, that David had with this man, extends to the family, which is with Solomon here. So this king reasoned to help Solomon because of, of the friendship that he had with his father. This man and Solomon did not know each other. Folks, when I went to Portugal before COVID came along, it's interesting. I was walking, my wife can testify to that. We were walking on the streets and people would come to me and ask me, do you know me? I'm like, no clue who you are. I mean, they were very friendly, but you know what? They knew my father. And because they knew my father, they came and tried to talk to me, and in a friendly way, because of my father. They remember my, and when they mentioned my dad's name, yeah, yeah, it's my dad. Oh, oh I'm your father's friend. And they, and they began to tell these stories about things that they did together. But I mean, to me, it was like, okay, you know, I rejoiced because it was things about my dad, but they were not my friends. The same thing here. We see this king, he was, he was friends with, 
what casual political, so to speak, friend with David. David had passed out of the scene. And guess who's talking with this king right now? Solomon. The friendship of David travels to Solomon. Did you ever experience this in your life? The friendship of your parents traveled to you because those people knew your parents? I mean, I experienced that. I hope you did. Uh, so anyway, letter A, we see friendship knows no borders. Friendship knows no borders. Actually, Proverbs 18.24 says, A man that has friends must show himself what? Friendly. And there is a friend that is stick, stick closer than a brother. So this king was not a Jewish person, all right? This king did not belong to the house of Israel. He was from a different nation, but there, there we see that friendship knows no borders. Listen, folks, if you're on Facebook, you have a friend from Thailand, it's okay. If you have a friend in China, it's okay. All right? They're casual friends, okay? They're not like somebody that you just meet by words or, or a picture or something. That's it. But you know what? It's good to know. And you know what? Sometimes they not get these. I'm praying for you. You know, I'm praying for you. And I don't like sometimes, most of the time, I don't even answer. But I see these people like, wow, you know, because we social media friends. But, you know, uh, friendship have the power to, cross, to go across continents. Friendship have the power to go across cultures. Friendships have the power to subdue languages. Nothing stands in the way of friendship. And we see right here, these are two men from two different countries. And guess what? They're helping each other here. So on hearing that Solomon had been anointed king of all Israel and of the empire beyond, Iron king of Tyre hastened to send his servants to Solomon to offer him his congratulations, a normal, a normal way of extending, you know, it's a political thing, to one another here. So the writer tells us that it was because of his love and respect for David, his father, but it was... It was, a, it, it was a, a, amazing that, and it, it, is, it is good to experience those things, that because of the friendship with David, this man extends his, his friendly hand to his son. Solomon was now the king, uh, was now the king of the strongest country around, of course, with the possible, uh, uh, except uh, Egypt here, and a control of, of main trade routes right here. And of course, it is a political thing right here. But this man remembers David. What, was David and this man close friends? No. Was it, they had close relationship? No. They were just casual friends, political friends. Brother Tom. You work in the workplace. You made friends there, right? They were casual friends, right? So you can get along and do the job. Those are friends when you leave, you probably will see them again, probably never see them again. But you know, if you need one of them, you might call one of them and they, they will talk to you like, hey, how you doing? And it's, it's those casual friends. And that's what we see here tonight. So, um, so Israel was also an important source of grain at the time and olive oil at the time. There was, therefore, within the just of determined attempt to maintain the treaty between the two countries to the advent of both. So Tyre was in the time and mainly, uh, mainly in an island city, built in a, on an island a short distance of shore. But with some of the, this, uh, uh, the, the trading with each other, it made the friendship stronger there. So... Folks, it is good to have friends in different places. You follow that? 
It is good to have friends in different places. You might go to a place and you say, oh, and you call somebody that you know. They're not necessarily your friend, per se, close friend, but they know you. And their friendliness, they will go and help you. There are people when I go to Florida, I don't, if I call them up, they answer the phone, they come and help you. I believe you have people like that too. For an example, uh, let's say, Chrissy, you lived in Maine, right? If you go to Maine, and let's say you're in the area where you used to live, you might be able to call somebody and they come and say, oh, how we, they know you, right? That's what I'm trying to say here. It's not per se. There might not be people you contact all the time, but they're there. They know you and you know them. So number two, we see the building materials. Let's look at verse one here again. And it says in the, uh, towards the, the, the end of the verse, it says, For he had heard they had anointed him king in the room of his father, for Aaron was ever a lover of David. This man loved David. So David greatest desire was to build a temple for his God. Actually, he thought of his God not having, uh, the thought of his God not having a temple bothered him. He goes and shares his heart with prophet Nathan, but God tells, tells Nathan to go back to David and inform him that the temple was not for him to build. Actually, First Chronicles chapter 17, go there. First Chronicles chapter 17, let's see what the Bible says about this in verse 1 all the way to verse 5. First Chronicles 17, 1, 5. I mean 17, 1 all the way to 5. Let's see what the Bible says there. It says, Now it came to pass, as David sat in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in the house of Cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remained on the curtains. Then Nathan said unto David, To all, do all that is in thy heart, for God is with thee. And it came to pass the same night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell David my servant, Thou sayest the Lord, Thou shalt not build me a house to dwell in. For I have not dwelt in a house since that day that I brought up Israel unto his day, but have gone from tent to tent and from one tabernacle to another. So David understood that he was a man, a man of war, not a man of peace. He understood that he was not, it was not God's will for him to do what it was in his heart. What David intended, well, let I me mean, put it this way, was, all right, let me put it this way, okay. David lived in a nice house and bothered him to go to the house of God and see the situation there. Then he shares with the man of God, Nathan, and he said, you know what, it bothers me. Why in the world I live in the house of Cedar and look with the condition where the Lord is? It bothers me. We've got to build a temple. And Nathan agrees with him. Until the Lord speaks to Nathan, Nathan goes back. Well, I'll tell you what. Was David's intentions good? Was it? If they were good, why God said no? When you have something that bothers you in your, bothers your heart and you want to do for, for the Lord, and you really want to do it, you know, it, and you hear that little or circumstance that tells you you're not the person for the job, you're wrong for thinking that it's okay to do it, but somehow, you know, it looks like David, you get the answer to you is no. 
No, you're not wrong. You're not the person for the job. David, the same thing right here. Did God love David? Yes. He calls David his servant. But David was not the man for that job. You follow what I'm saying here? We can have the greatest intentions sometimes. I mean, if we really want to do it, something for the Lord, we have the greatest intentions. But the answer is going to come. You, not the person for the job. Somebody else is. Here's the thing. Do we have a heart to say, Lord, it's okay. Like David did. Somebody else can do it. It is hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to do. When you feel that you are the person because the idea was born in your mind and in your heart. So it's my idea. It's my thing. Yeah, I dream about this. I should be the one to do it. God says no. David didn't retaliate. Actually, we're going to keep looking on this. The Lord just didn't allow him to build a temple. We can learn a lesson here tonight as well. We can have, like I said, the greatest intention to do something good for God, but what we want to do may not be what God wants us to do. He might have something else or, uh, to, uh, for us to do more important than what we want to do or somebody else to do the job that you want to do. The Apostle Paul experienced this as he was serving the Lord as well. When he was going for in the mission uh, in, the, in 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 his uh, uh, missionary journeys, he tried to go to one place, and the spirit said, "You're not going there. You're going there." But I want to go there. God said, "No, I want you to go there." Say, say, we always do much better. Listen to this: if we allow the Lord to take the reins and go where He sends us, despise our own wants. David didn't go, didn't got discouraged when the Lord told him no. He accepted the fact that he was not a man for the job, but he didn't, but that didn't mean that he could not do something. You follow that? David, you're not the man for the job. Somebody else is going to do your job that was born in your mind because it bothered you. But you know what? But it doesn't mean that you cannot do something about it. We're going to get somewhere with this. So David didn't build the temple, but David made the construction of the temple possible by contributing for it. You follow that? Letter A. David's participation. <coughs> look what it says. Let's go to 2 Chronicles 29.1. Let's go there. 2 Chronicles 29.1. See, the thought, think about as we read this passage, the thought is in his heart. He, he, he was bothered that he lived in a nice house and God was not. Like was God living in a house, but you finally understand we as humans. But anyway, and, and he, he expressed his heart with, with the prophet. The prophet, we agree with him. He tell I get the message from the Lord that he should not. He didn't retaliate, but he didn't stop him from doing something. Look what it says in First Chronicles 29.1. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation... Solomon, my son, whom alone God has chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great for the, the uh, I'm sorry, for the palace is not uh, for man, but for the, Lord's, for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with, with all my might, 
for the house of my God, the gold for the things to be made of gold, and the silver for the things of silver, and the brass for the things of brass, the iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, and oxen stones for, and stones to set uh, glitter stones and, and of diverse colors, and all manners of precious stones and marble stones in a balance. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of, uh, of my God, I have of my own uh, proper uh, good of, of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Even 300 talents of gold. Uh, and it goes to explain what he gives right here. So what David did. Okay. David did not build a house. But David, David contributed far and above for that to become a reality. We're going to get somewhere here. Get this. We have a building fund for our church. You follow that? What's the purpose? We want to build our own place or buy our own place. That's our goal. That's what we've been talking about here, right? We contribute. We contribute. Who's to say that we are the ones who are going to build it? Who's to say we are the ones who are going to buy it? God knows. We might be like David, contributing for a cause. Somebody else can come along and say, Hey, what a blessing. Because you did this, it's possible for us to do this. That's what happens here. Solomon didn't contribute. Solomon just got what was given from his father and went and built something. God did it, right? But David could done, and God said to David, no, you're not going to do it. Your son's going to do it. What are we doing right now? We're saving to build a church, or we're saving to buy a building. But guess what? Are we going to be the ones doing it? I think we need to have to come to a place and say, Lord, if that's us and we do it, if it's not us, whoever comes ahead of us, they'll do it. But we did something. We contributed for it. That's what David did. David got known from the Lord, but didn't mean that he didn't do something towards it. You follow that? I think that's where we need to be in those, those particular things. About just because the Lord said now doesn't mean, okay, then I'm not doing anything. You know, you know the poochy lip disease, you know? You know, I'm not going to do anything because God said no. You know, I mean, I mean, this is so, when I used to play soccer, be an organized sport, it was so amazing. If the coach says to you, oh, you're not going to line up today, I'm going to have you on the bench. That was the end of that one. I'm like, what's the matter with you? I'm not playing. <laughs> well, 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 at least be prepared. You know, yes, last week was me. <laughs> but some people don't get it the good way, you know. So get this. We are saving, like I said, for to buy a building, but who's to say? That would be the ones doing. See, to build a structure such as a temple, uh, building materials were needed. Solomon was going to need quite a bit of those uh, building materials. David knew that, uh, then, and David made sure that those materials would be available for his son. As he anticipated the building of the temple, David set aside some of the spoils of battle, especially for the Lord. All is well. David presented publicly to Solomon. David also had his own personal treasures, and then he invited the leaders of the nation to contribute as well. So David was determined. He wanted that to happen. But he was not the one building. 
but didn't prevent him to do something about it. You follow that? Listen, we are in a building fund. Get me that? We are saving food to buy a building or whatever the Lord give us. But it's to say that we're going to be here when that becomes a reality. We might be only in heaven. But it doesn't mean that we didn't do something about it. I remember one time Pastor Crichton said, you know, you guys come here and the visitors come to the church and you see this nice building, but most of the people that work hard for this building and contributed to this building, not even here. <laughs> most of them graduated to heaven. What a reality. It was true what he was saying. And then you walked in, you, you think that thing's been there forever, you're right? You know, it had a, had a beginning, started somewhere. The same thing here. So David said, oh, God said, no, but you know what? I'm going to do something about it. Somebody's calling me in the middle of service. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> Leave a message. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> oh, so what we can learn from this, we, we, we may not participate in the building of the church, but we can contribute. We may learn tonight from the willingness of David. For an example, when we first came here, which is Joseph, pretty much, and Samantha, none of you were here when we put this thing together. But you know what? That's okay. The others that were here, they're not here anymore. But it's okay. We move on. But that's how it go- that's how it goes. And you know what? We might not be we might be the one I hope we are, but if we're not, then somebody else will. It's like you know, the torch keeps going on. Keep on going on. And the, the word of the Lord keep keep on going on. Goodness, this person is just keep calling. It's the second time. Just leave a message, right? <laughs> we <laughs> we may learn tonight from the willingness of David right here. David also gives Solomon the plans of the temple. And you know he would he made everything possible for that to become that dream to become a reality. Listen, you may have a big dream. You not might you might want that dream to become a reality. Not, it might not be to you, but you might see that reality come that dream become a reality. It may be in the life of your kids. You say I can do that, but I see it in the life of my kids. That's what happened here with Solomon. And you, you just sit back and rejoice. Contribute. Make sure it is a reality. Get this, David and Iron, king of Tyre, had a good friendship here. This king had promised workers and material for the building of David's palace. Uh, 2 Samuel 5, chapter 5, verse 11. David enlisted this king, uh, king's help in preparing wood for the temple. 1 Chronicles 24. So we see that David was much involved in this thing. So let it be, we see Solomon's letter. Solomon's letter. We see this First Kings chapter 5, verse 2, all the way to verse 6. And actually, we read some of those verses a couple of times. Uh, uh, let's pick up here in verse 5. It says, Behold, I purpose to build a house unto the, the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spake unto David my father, saying, Thy son, whom I set upon thy throne in thy room, he shall build a house unto my name. Um, and he goes on to verse, actually, let's look at verse 6. Now therefore I command thou that they 
who me seed uh, uh, trees out of Lebanon, and my servant shall be with thy servants unto thee, will I give hire for thy servants according to all that thou hast appointed, for thou knowest that there is none among us any that can skill to hew timber like unto the Sidonians. So Solomon's uh, letter was really a commercial contract here. For he was offered, he offered pay for the wood by providing food annually for this king's household. So until the work was complete, uh, uh, Aaron's uh, household received annually 125,000 bushels of wheat, 150,000 gallons of pure oil. The workers would receive one payment of 125,000 bushels of wheat, 125 bushels of barley, and 150,000 gallons of wine and of, of olive oil, and on which could be divided among them. So it was not like, you know, it was like a trade type of thing. You give me this, I give you that. It was, it was the, the friendship that, that they had that caused that to become a reality. And I tell you what, I love friends. Don't you love friends? Friends are wonderful to have, but believe me, it is good to have casual friends. It is good to have those type of friends as well. So as any pastor at, an, at a church board can testify, building programs are not easy, and they either bring out the best or the worst on God's people. You follow that? Building programs are either brings the worst or brings the best. Because things don't get done in one day. You follow that? When we cleaned, uh, uh, fixed this place, we used to come here Monday, Tuesday, go to church on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, go to church on Sunday, and Monday we're back here again. And we did that for almost two months. Every day. And you know what you do every day? You encourage and you encourage. And, and it was, listen folks, it wasn't, every day was not smooth. Some days it was not that good. You know? Some days it was a rough here and a rough there. Uh, uh, one person don't agree with this. Another person don't agree with that. We sit down. All right, let's talk about this. And then, then you know, it's part of the construction thing. You ever, you ever work in construction? You, know, you, ever, you ever been involved in construction? I don't like that two by four in there. That two by four doesn't look good. Let's take it out. <laughs> I remember. I remember. We... we uh, Brother Valcat, it was funny. He's in heaven with the Lord. But I remember, back here we didn't have the kitchenette. There was no plans for the kitchenette. That there was a wall there, and, and Brother Valcat comes and says, you know, we, we, we need a kitchenette there. I'm like, what, in the, what do you mean with the kitchenette? We need a kitchenette there. Where? And he's trying to explain it to me, and I'm like, well, I don't get it. Where in the world do you want the kitchenette? So you want to got a piece of paper, then I got it. I'm like, oh, kitchenette. Okay. Patrick goes, no kitchenette. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean no kitchenette? I think it's a good idea. No, Before you know, I got, he calls his wife. I got to go a whole meeting about the kitchenette. <laughs> and finally, okay, everybody was good. The kitchenette is still there, right? But I mean, all these things, it's part of, it can either make you or break you. But I mean, but I tell you what, when we had that thing going on and out here, we're building this, it was wonderful. Even though, I mean, even all those things we had, the ladies would bring food, uh, they would come here, they would, they would bring water for us, and we were here working, and you know, uh, some days, some show up, so not others, uh, everybody show up. But it was wonderful to see, you know, uh, 
Uh, I remember, I remember, uh, oh, this was funny. Uh, this was funny. It was, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Oh, goodness. Um, oh, Calvin. Calvin, pastor, I'm going to paint. Oh, sure. <laughs> what are you going to paint? I'm going to paint the back. All right, okay, good. I said, Calvin, do me a favor. Don't paint yourself. Oh, no, no, no. <coughs> Excuse me. So he got the roller. He goes back there with Joseph. And after a while, we're working over here or somewhere over there. It comes Calvin. Pastor, we finished. He had paint on his head, on his face, and his ear, and his shirt. I'm like, what are you guys doing back there? Uh, I mean, you know what? It was, okay, he, was not a, he was not a painter, but the joy and the willingness to do it just blesses your heart. So it makes you, you know, with all that stuff, it makes you stronger. And with that, the friendships actually got bigger. We got to know each other more because we were here almost every day. But, you know, it's not, you got to go through that to get to where you want. But building plans, building plans are not easy or building programs are not easy. Uh, for an example, Moses he supervised the building of the tabernacle. Solomon had a great deal going on for him with the temple. Both men knew that God was using them to direct the work and that he was, would enable him to finish successfully. So both leaders had an incredible amount of wealth and materials at their disposal before this started and both received the construction plans from the Lord himself. So both, uh, both were blessed to have leaders who give generous, uh, uh generously to support of the project. You know, it goes like this. All right. So, in, in when it comes to church programs, it has to start in the heart of God's people, first of all. Right? It starts in the heart of God's people. Somebody's going to start saying, all right, I think we need something in, like, is a vision there. God puts in a vision in the heart of somebody. And the people begin to participate by contributing, contributing. And, and that amount grows to a point on which you can do something about it. Who's to say is five years down the line, 10 years or 20 years down the line, who's to say that the people that start giving, uh, used to say that they didn't already graduate to heaven. But you know what? Building programs are not easy, but they're great to have. So letter number three, we see the man for the job. The man for the job. Folks, when building projects come along, it takes a great amount of uh, manpower to fix them. I remember when we fixed this place, how hard it was. We wanted this place fixed as quick as possible, but in order to do that, we needed manpower. We didn't have such a privilege. Solomon was, not, was no different. I remember our brother Valcat was, I said, brother, you do not send those walls. What did he do? Sending the walls. What are you doing? I'm sending the walls. Look, you're going to die before with the church gets fixed. You can't do that. I'm sending the walls. He's over there in the hallway. Sending the walls. You can't do that. Get out of here. So he go. He walked around. All right, I think. You come around here. He's already back in the wall again. I said, <laughs> but we didn't have the manpower. We didn't have the manpower. To do that. So, 
So I remember, I mean, it's hard, but anyway, we wanted this place fixed. Like I said, Solomon was no different. He would take a, it would take a great deal of manpower to cut the trees, tram the, lo the, the, the logs, and transport them to the construction site uh, for the building, uh, for the, them to be used in that building. So according to David Sensor, it was one, uh, I believe, let's see if I say, 1,300,000 able men to work in the land. So Solomon used 30,000 men to labor in the temple. It was about 2.3% of the total available, available labor force there. Uh, 10,000 of the men spent one month each quarter in Lebanon assisting this king there uh, uh, in the work. And then they had two months uh, home. Then, then, they, they, uh, then these men uh, with the Jewish citizens, and they went, and, I'm sorry, and were not treated like slaves. There. They, they were just treated like, they treated each other as human beings there. So it, it, it takes a great amount. Imagine the, the beauty of that temple, how much, much manpower it took to get that, to make a possibility. So when people come in and say, wow, what a blessing. But sometimes we forget the effort that was made. So you see now why David was not a man for the job. David was fighting wars. Solomon had no wars. He could build that. So when you, I conclude with this, when you have something in your heart that you really want to do, God impressed in your heart, and if God says to you, you're not the person for the job, don't pout. Don't pout. Because God's going to show you which person is going to do the job. Participate. You follow that? Don't pout. Participate. That's what David did. David didn't pout. David gave above and beyond to make that dream a reality. You see that? He was already gone when it became a reality. But he, uh, his name was all over that construction. Same thing with us. Let's participate. Who knows if it will be us or if it will be somebody else. But don't pout. Because it's easy for us to go, oh, it's my dream. I should do it. No, don't pout. Encourage the person that God's put in your heart and said, that's the person for the job. Encourage that person and participate. I think that's what the Lord wants us to do. Very real right here in this passage. He wanted to do it. We could see in his heart that he wanted to do it. But God says, you're not a man for the job. Your son is. He's okay, Lord. Let him do it. But I'm going to make that everything I can in my power for this thing to become a reality. And that's what he did. Every person in their own way have dreams, plans, and goals. And they would love to accomplish those plans and goals. Some dreams never, like I said, never become reality for many of us. Because a dream or goal are too big or too hard, it's almost like almost impossible for them to accomplish. Will I ever sit in an F-16 and take a flight? Probably not. <laughs> would I love to do it? Yeah, I would. Would I be petrified? Probably but you know what? I watched the Blue Angels flying, and I didn't feel bad, and I didn't put the pouchy lip disease out and say, like, you know, you guys doing. I just enjoyed watching 
They're doing those crazy things up in the air. You know, and it's amazing what these people do. Amazing. Uh, we saw it was a was an air show up in Dallas that two planes collide with each other. Actually, the next day we heard that. We thought that would happen there because they had another. There was a Friday and Saturday air show. We went on Friday. It was like, oh, no, I have, but there was in Dallas. I mean, still, I think six people that lost their lives. I saw it on TV. The planes really literally collide with these at that speed. It's just amazing. But anyway, so what we do, and I close, I promise, what we do, the Lord puts something in your heart, then the Lord says to you, you're not the person for the job. Don't pout. Encourage the person that God put right in front of you and say, this is the person. Contribute. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, so much, Lord, for David, a man after God's own heart, Lord. May we learn from him not to pout when you uh, tell us, Lord, that we're not the person for the job. Help us to uh, accept that and to trust you, Lord. There's always a reason why you say no sometimes to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.